This isn't Grandma's radio show. We talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and pound. Rear naked chokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe this can happen. All right, we are back, suckers. Another episode of Sucker Radio for your listening pleasure. It's a doozy of a week. We've got a great episode. We have the UFC flyweight champion Demetrius Johnson on the show. I will also chat with World Series of Fighting Canada's Darren Owen. This guy has a lot going on. Um, He's also working down in Vegas with the big boys at WSOF in their headquarters uh, he's doing it all, and he's going to talk about WSOF 18, which goes down next Thursday night, as well as some of the other stuff going on with World Series of Fighting. Sounds like they're going to uh, have a Canadian television deal in the works. Hopefully it's going to work out for next Thursday. If it's not very few, very close, um, near future, it'll be uh, going down, which is good because... Us Canadians want to watch World Series of Fighting live, and we cannot do that at the moment. This guy does not hide anything, he wears his emotions on his sleeve, and he lets you know exactly what is up. So look forward to that interview. The big news of the week. Oh my goodness. On Tuesday afternoon, it was announced that Anderson Silva and Nick Diaz both popped on their drug tests. What does that mean? Who knows? There's no, there's no, I mean, Anderson Silva denies using PEDs, steroids, whatever you want to call it. Nick Diaz tested for marijuana. Surprise, surprise. Um, People have uh, talked about this, steroid use, all that stuff. Bottom line is, it's cheating. You did it. You tested positive for it. You need to face the consequences, and man up for your actions. We've seen Chael Sonnen do it. He denied it at first. It, it, he, You know what? He manned up and he said, I did it. I took these supplements, and he took a shitload. Anderson Silva, you popped. You need to admit it. And, and you know what? I mean, really, it doesn't make sense to me. There are so many fighters in the UFC that are getting caught for these PEDs or steroids. Bottom line is, this shit is illegal. You gotta stop doing it. It's not like the Tour de France where 90% of everyone in the Tour de France is doing this. 99% of the Tour de France supposedly is on enhancing drugs. They're all doing it. The UFC, these guys are supposed to be clean. They are warriors. They are gladiators. Get your bodies clean and get in the game. Come on, folks. Um, from the sounds of it, Anderson Silva will still coach the Ultimate Fighter Brazil 4. Interesting enough. I mean, seriously, John Jones has this. This sort of puts a black cloud over this past weekend's UFC 183. Anderson Silva, Nick Diaz. Anderson Silva took home the unanimous judges scorecards in a very, very odd matchup. I'm not going to talk about it at all. I'm sure, uh... Justin Pirro will cover some of that stuff in his unpopular opinions this week. 
But I'm not going to talk about that. Tyron Woodley had a great outing in the co-main event. Kelvin Gastelum, as you all know by now, came in way overweight, 10 pounds over, or 9 pounds over the legal limit of uh, 171 pounds. But he still lost, so that doesn't matter. The one that does matter is the UFC flyweight matchup between Ian McCall and John Lineker. These two battled it out. Ian McCall had the first round. Lineker had the second and third but he came in way overweight as well, which sucks because this guy was going to be the number one contender and Dana White has forced him to move up to the 135-pound division. Shitty deal for the flyweight division and the flyweight champion in Demetrius Johnson. I'm going to get his opinion on that later on in the show. Um, that is it. Anderson Silva, Nick Diaz popping for drugs. My goodness. <sighs> Another one, Rafael Asuncao out versus his main event matchup at UFC Fight Night 62 against Uriah Faber. Faber. Faber pulled from that fight card. And Damian Maya and Ryan LaFleur are now the new headlining matchup for UFC Fight Night 62. What do you think of that, folks? Um, very enticing fight between those two guys, which is really cool. I'm, I'm glad to see those two fellas moving up. Um, not much more for me to talk about here. So let's get right into my first interview with Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. One of MMA Sucka's favorite people to interview is back. He is the current UFC flyweight champion, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. DJ, thanks for joining me today, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Now, even though I'm based in Vancouver, you know, I've been a fan of the Seattle Seahawks since the 80s. My dad was a fan, so it was just sort of in me to be a fan. I was a big Steve Largent fan and even Hasselbeck when no one else liked the guy. <laughs> um, yesterday I was rocking my Marshawn Lynch jersey and thought the game was all but over with just under a minute left when we were on the one-yard line. Just walk us through what was going through your mind before the Seahawks made that last play. Uh, I, I thought it was a game right there, man. You know, once Jeremy Curse made that, uh, Jermaine Curse, excuse me, made that pass, he caught it, and uh, I was like, okay, that, that's it. You know, they're going to feed the beast. He's going to run it in, or he's going to give it to Michael Turbin. He'll run it in, and they're, 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 we, we should go champion. They just, uh, you know, did a repeat. They just created history. Um, two times in a row, been two other teams that's done it, and we're, we're going. Let's, let's, let's get the... Uh, Petty out. Let's not party it. <laughs> and then it didn't happen. So, what happened at that point in your household? I know your your little one was watching it with you. Were what? What was going through your mind? What What happened in the Demetrius Johnson household when they decided to throw the ball? And they got intercepted. We're like, yeah. Well, it was a great game, and anything <laughs> can happen. You know, all it takes is one. To- and all it takes is one uh, wrong, wrong throw, person, you know, makes a play, and it happens, you know. It's just like fighting, you know, and it even happens. So, you know, granted, you know, me and my wife are sad, and my son, he had no idea what was going on. You know, we would jump and scream and yell at TV. We're just like, it happens, you know, it's a football game. Yeah, now, are you, are you sort of in the mindset? Like, myself, after thinking about it, I was in shock, right? I'm sure you were as well. But thinking about it after the fact, I think there's too many people that are going on, oh, you know, why didn't they hand the ball off to Lynch? We should be looking back and thinking, 
Wow, this kid made the biggest interception of his life. His first interception of his career. No, it wasn't the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, it was the Patriots. But it was the biggest interception in this kid's career, yet no one is looking at that. Yeah, obviously, you know, I mean, Todd Brady and the uh, New England Patriots, they played an amazing game. You know, Chandler Jones, um, him, you know, running down uh, Russell Wilson. I think he got a, uh, one sack on him. Um, that's all yards. So the New England Patriots did a great job. You know, obviously, a lot of people um, in Seattle aren't, you know, looking at this kid. Uh, I forgot his name. Um, it was Butler. Who made the interception? Butler. What was it again? Butler. Butler. I believe, yeah. Yeah, since Butler made that interception, I mean, fantastic. Way to, way to make a play, you know, and, and do your first Super Bowl ring. You know, if it wasn't for him, you know, the New England Patriots wouldn't be a Super Bowl champion. So, and I think in Seattle, you know, we're not going to look at their positives. You know, as me, as an athlete, you know, hats off to those guys. And, you know, on my Twitter, I, I said, congratulations to the Seahawks and congratulations to the New England Patriots and, you know, gain a life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so who who would you place the blame on in a play like that? Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, the offensive coordinator, or is there anyone that you would place blame on? You know, you, you can't put a blame on somebody. It's a team sport. You know, there's way too many people in the kitchen. That, that's what makes the, the Seahawks have such a special team is that, you know, you got the offensive coordinator, you got Pete Carroll, you got Russell Wilson. Um, so you really can't put the blame on people, you know, like Marshawn said, if it's a football game, they made a call, and, that was, and obviously it was the wrong call, but, that, you know, as a quarterback, you can't, you know, I'm not a quarterback, but as a quarterback, you can't, like, you know, I don't, I don't like that play, you know, obviously Marshall, I, don't, I mean, you know, some of gave a little feedback, but, you know, you, Russell Wilson is just doing what he's told to be, and that was the play that the offensive coordinator called, and he went with it, and, you know, it happened. <laughs> exactly. So I noticed on Twitter that the defensive line came to train with you guys at AMC last offseason. Um, you were coaching them, or, or did you get a chance to roll with them? Because, I mean, those guys are enormous. Um, you know, those guys, uh, the defensive coordinator uh, knows that Hume, and on their offseason, you know, they have to come in there and just work with their hand, hand movement and work on their wrestling and also work on the, the arm jack from the wrestling and just learning the mechanics of how the body moves and getting uh, people off balance. So that's where that picture came from, where they came in and I was in there and I helping those guys out. That's pretty cool. Now let's talk fights. The talk, obviously, is the flyweight division this past weekend's bout between John Lineker and Ian McCall. How much does it frustrate you that what was considered the number one contender fight meant absolutely nothing after Lineker didn't make weight? And from the sounds of it, we'll be forced to move up to 35. Yeah, you know, it sucks. Uh, John Fenneker, you know, took it to Ian McCall, and it's done. Of course, he may make weight, and now he's going to go to 135. I'm sure you'll have a great career there, but, you know, like you said, the fight almost meant nothing to the flyweight division. But at the same time, we got a great fight out of it. You know, John Fenneker, you know, beat the number three flyweight in the world. So... Obviously, I mean, there's nothing much left in the division. Dodson's injured. Um, do you really want to fight Benavidez again? What What do you want to come out of this whole situation? Because it, it sort of put everything in a bit of a mess. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it that way. For, but for me, you know, I'm going to stay focused and wait for the next challenge. And 
I'm pretty sure it might be uh, Horiguchi. Um, he's on a little hot streak there. Um, he just beat uh, Louis Quicknot, who's coming off a year layoff. So I'm focused on myself, and I'm just waiting for the UFC to make calls so I get back to work. Yeah, you haven't fought since September of last year. Uh, when would you like to get back in the cage? You know, I'm, I'm shooting for the Memorial Day weekend card. It's uh, May 23rd, so I'm hoping they get me on there and we'll be ready to rock, rock and roll. Does does the fact of uh, like the super fight sort of come into play? Does moving up to thirty five is that something that interests you? No, not at all. You know, obviously, I told many people before. You know, with the right purse and the right time, um, I, I wouldn't mind moving up to thirty five and try my hand there again. But at the same time, you know, I'm focused at one twenty five. There's a lot of guys down there who are new and upcomers that. I want to stay fresh and, and keep on knocking them down. Do you ever look at the rankings? Do those things matter to you? Because Joe Rogan, I've heard on a number of occasions, especially on his podcast, consider you the number one pound-for-pound pound guy. <laughs> That's awesome. I love me some Joe Rogan. He's a great guy, and you know, he understands the fight game. Um, you know, that's often be looked at uh, through the media as a pound-for-pound best fighter in the world. But, you know, it, it's how they perceive me. Um, you know, I, I think I'm the best fighter in the world, and I, I just got to go out there and keep on proving it. I feel like every time I chat with you, you know, anytime I have you on the show, I ask you the question about the v- division and, and the popularity. Unfortunately, it still is sort of flying under the radar a little bit. What do you think that yourself as a champion needs to do to get the division noticed the way it should from fans that aren't so hardcore, or do you think the onus is on the UFC? You know, I, I don't. I think the division is doing a fantastic job as of right now. You know, I was just in Vegas, uh, and you know, everybody knew exactly who I was. It was uh, way past I fought in, and the fans, you know, they loved it. You know, and the, the fans of the flyweight division fight. So I think it's you know going to take a little more time for for everybody to love it. I guess you would say, but I, I think we're doing a great job, and it's slowly coming on. I think all the fighters are doing a great job. There's I, yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you there. Because, I mean, it is one of the most exciting divisions in the sport. You're damn right it is. <laughs> there, now, there still hasn't been a heck of a lot of talk about what's going on with the, the Reebok sponsorship and the terms of the agreement and stuff like that. But you have one of the biggest sponsors in the game in Microsoft. Um, how will this sort of affect you? Have you spoken with them about it? Will they still be behind you with everything other than Fight Week? Yeah, you know, obviously with the whole Reebok deal going on, um, obviously once it hits July, you know, there's no, you know, nobody can wear anything they want in Octagon anymore. It's going to be playing Reebok. So for that, you know, there's nothing to do with Xbox, you know, but obviously we're hoping that Xbox can us have a, a great partnership outside of um, the UFC and be able to have it activate me, go to different events for those guys and work along, you know. I, I talked to them today and they were one of me. They were asking me, hey, you should start streaming, you know. You might get a lot of followers that way. So I'm going to give it a try and see how streaming goes. So you have been in talks with them since this whole Reebok deal? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, you have you have another child on the way. Congratulations about that. That is really going to affect That is really going to affect your gaming, though, isn't it? You know, it, it does. I'm a gamer at home. I always love the game at home, but I'm starting slowly screwed away from gaming at home and only just gaming on uh, at the gym. 
Really? Yes. So you after training, before training, sort of like that? Uh, between training. Ah, what, so what what are you playing right now? I'm playing Destiny, and I'm also playing uh, Resident, Resident Evil HD Remastered what on lev- Xbox One. What level in Destiny? I'm a level 31 hunter. Wow, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, I saw a picture, um, you training with Carlos Condit and BMX star TJ Lavin a couple weeks back. Is is that a guy that someone could see inside an MMA cage soon, or is he just training for fun? Oh, TJ Lavin, he's awesome, man. He's just training for fun, and he was so kind to invite me and Carlos to his house to do a little CrossFit workout when we are in Vegas, and he loves the sport. Um, and No, I don't think you'll see him in uh, the UFC. Not the UFC. I, I just mean maybe an amateur fight or something like that. Oh, no, 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 no. He's, he has no interest in that. He, he loves the sport, and he's done amazing things in a professional athlete world. Um, and, and I don't think he has no interest in it. You know, I, I heard he's rap bulls, but, you know, he has, he's never talked to me about any interest in doing an amateur <laughs> fight. Are you a BMX fan? You know what? Um, I've watched it on there on, on TV, but I'm not like a follower, you know. So I mean, I can respect what they do because it's hard as hell. Finally, before I let you go here, who in the UFC is the biggest Seahawks fan? Yourself, Misha Tate, Brian Caraway, or Benson Henderson? So I have to give it Misha and Brian Caraway. They're always tweeting, posting pictures, all that stuff, and I'm just and that's awesome, you know. Um, you know, I, I still live here in Washington State. You know, I I drive by the Seattle Training Center every. I mean, the Seattle Training Center every single day. Um, I met the guys. I met Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, all those guys at the club. So, um, but yeah, I, I'll have to say they're bigger diehards than I am. Like they're always tweeting. They're at Super Bowl. For me, I always watch the games, but you don't see. I'm not a person who's always going to tweet what I'm doing every day. <laughs> that that's cool that you didn't say yourself. I, I actually commend you on that. Yeah, there's way there's there's way more hardcore people than Misha Tate and Brian Caraway. So, uh, you know, I, I'm just a fan of the sport. You know, I love watching Kendrickson play, Kaepernick, um, Adrian Peterson when he's playing. I just love watching football. But obviously, I, I got you know Seattle Seahawks back because I'm from here and I grew up here, and and that's the way it, it is. You said that you drive by their training facility. Have you ever stopped in there and and seen what an NFL training uh, training camp is like? Yeah, yeah, I've been in there. I, I, I watched, you know, Russell uh, practice and all that stuff. And, yeah, I, you know, I've watched the whole entire thing. I've seen the, the anti-drug test guy there, too. So I, I've seen the whole Shabaya Bay. How does it compare to a to a UFC training camp? Oh, I mean... Obviously, it's, it's, obviously it's, it's completely it's, different, but I mean, in terms of, of, of physical fitness and whatnot, people say that football players are, are sort of superhuman. I don't want to say superhuman, but you know they, they their training camps is like ours. You know they they got to make sure they have a good diet. They got to make sure they consume uh, enough water. Um, they got to they got to practice the plays. They got to study their opponents. So it's just it's exactly the same, but just in a different aspect of a of a sport. He is UFC flyweight champion Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius, thank you so much for your time, man, and and hope we get to see you back inside the cage sooner rather than later. Yeah, me too, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
Hello again, everyone. It's me, Justin Pirro, back again for more unpopular opinions here on Sucker Radio at MMASucker.com. And I am joined by somebody who is not inside the MMA bubble. No, he is somebody who is a fan, but he's from another sphere. He is Dave Grossman, bass player for Philadelphia post metalers Rosetta. How are you doing? I'm great, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Um, hey, happy to have you. So uh, let's get started first off. Uh, you, did you watch the fights on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I think everybody was anticipating Anderson Silva's return and Nick Diaz's return because obviously they're two of the best in the world. Yeah, it certainly didn't come off that way. I I have to be honest. I was watching uh, the main card with my wife and we both fell asleep in the fifth round of that fight. It yeah. was not the fight we were expecting. <laughs> um, well, I think to a certain extent, though, I think it was kind of to be expected a little bit because I think both of them were both a little bit more counter punches. And I think maybe if Nick Diaz had gotten it down to the ground, that's really where his advantage would have been. But, you know, it's, it's an easier said than done thing. And, it, and then they're both kind of counter punchers. So. Yeah, that that's true. Uh, my biggest issue was I think if Diaz had uh, you know maybe cut his taunting in half and thrown a few more punches, he probably would have ended up winning the fight. Yeah, I can agree with that to a certain extent. I mean, I I don't think I don't think either of them did too much, and I, I you know I I think some of it is, is is that Nick Diaz was intelligent enough to know that if he just came forward aggressively, he's gonna he's gonna get knocked out. Yeah, um, I mean that that's certainly true, and I mean he did show some improvements. He was actually throwing a lot of leg kicks instead of you know eating them. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you heard the news from yesterday too. Both uh, Diaz and Silva failed drug tests. Uh, Silva for uh, two different kinds of anabolic steroids, and Nick Diaz for well, marijuana again. <laughs> yeah. No, it's that was certainly. Uh, Certainly strange. I mean, we can't, admittedly, we can't really be surprised with the Nick Diaz results, but uh, were you surprised about uh, Silva having to use the steroids, even knowing that they can be used for coming back from injuries? I think that it becomes pretty obvious when you think back to Anderson Silva saying after that fight that he thought he was done, because I don't know if you're aware of this. He at some point mentioned that if somebody gets busted for steroids, they shouldn't be allowed to fight again. That's true, yeah. So he him, did say that. Him saying that and then his sort of actions after the fight, I think he obviously knew he had failed the test. And, I mean, I, honestly, that, that injury is brutal. And uh, so I kind of know some some guys in the UFC a little bit. Um, I, I train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I teach it. Um, and my instructor is one of Corian and Theron and Henry Gracie's black belt. Um, wow. So him and his business partner, they both used to teach at the Gracie Academy and their black belts underneath him. And, I mean, you, you, you hear some stories about some of these guys that are involved in the fight game, you know. And it sounds like a lot of guys are, you know, sort of abusing and using these drugs just to get by, you know. And it's, it's true in the BJJ world as, as well in jiu-jitsu and these guys that are, you know, competing all the time. They're destroying their bodies so much that, I think that they're doing it mostly just so they can, you know, stay in the gym as often as they do because they're just destroying their bodies. 
Um, and, and I mean, it's, it's something that that's, I find in jiu-jitsu in the sportive world that I think is kind of not talked about, but people know that it's going on. And in MMA, I think everybody kind of knows that it's going on a lot, but nobody wants to talk about it. And lots of these guys have sort of gotten good at sort of doing it outside of the competitions for the most part. But every once in a while, they don't have their timing right and they get caught. Yeah. And um, the funny thing about the story about Silva is it's coming out that it was a pre-fight test that he got busted on. It was uh, in early January. Yeah. Um, well, I think it leads to lots of questions about what's going on in the UFC because, again, why was he allowed to fight? And it's sort of the same thing with the John Jones thing. Why, why was John Jones allowed to fight? And it seems like the UFC is more willing to throw the book sort of at Nick Diaz for this marijuana bust than they are for John Jones for testing positive for cocaine, which Definitely. I think everybody, I mean, knows. everybody knows which yeah. is the more dangerous and severe and worst drug to be using out of those two, regardless of whether of they use of course. anything themselves or not. I mean, you never you look at how much Dana White's increased uh, in mass over the years, so you got to wonder if he's using two, and maybe that's affecting his opinion. <laughs> Anything's possible. It certainly is. And now, uh, for a topic near and dear to both our hearts, you know, you play in a heavy metal band. I've been a heavy metal fan for the majority of my life. Why do you think there isn't a stronger link between heavy metal and combat sports? I would think that two guys getting into a cage and slugging it out is pretty metal. Uh, I agree. Uh, well, I, I'm not really sure. I do know, though, like, there's lots of guys that are involved in metal, not all of which I'm fans of their bands that do train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, there's another Horian here on in Henner Black Belt, Ty Gay in Oklahoma City, and he plays in a, a, a metal band. Uh, he's, he's really, really good. Uh, Billy from Biohazard trains at the Gracie Academy. Maynard from Tool has... has uh, I don't know where exactly you train, but I'm pretty sure that Henry Aikens, who's one of Hickson's black belts, uh, you know, has, has trained jujitsu. I think he might be a blue or a purple belt. Eugene Robinson from Oxbow trains. Um, Harley Flanagan from the Crow Mags is like a black belt and teaches at Henzo Gracie's Academy. So, I mean, I think there is, is some of, somewhat of connection, but it does sort of shock me, you know, how little to a certain extent, um, because yeah, I think like you said, it, it kind of goes goes together uh, pretty pretty well to a certain extent. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that uh, you train as well. What belt are you now? I'm a blue belt. Um, but if for anybody who knows anything about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I think they understand that it's a long, long process. So I've been uh, teaching with, and uh, our our, our school is called Malaki Flow, um, which is if, for people who want to check out the website, it's www.milokiflow.com uh, for two years. Um, and I've been training almost every day with Al Alberto Rivaio, who's my instructor right now, and uh, for pretty much almost every day for the last four years. Um, but, I mean, he, he comes from a, a sort of an old-school, traditional Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Gracie jiu-jitsu style, which for anybody who... Orion Gracie is Hoist Gracie's oldest brother. Uh, here on in Henner Gracie or two of his sons. Corner and coach like Ronda Rousey, Leota Makita, uh, CM Punk trains there. 
which I'm sure is going to get lots of people talking some crap about that. Um, Mark Munoz trains there, Brendan Schwab. Uh, there's a, b- a bunch of other guys. Kevin Casey is a teacher there. Brian Ortega. Yeah. Uh, Ed O'Neill's a black belt there, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a black belt there. Um, so, I mean, that that's where my instructor comes from. And traditionally, it's like, I mean, Elio Gracie is one of the, the creators of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or his oldest son. So, uh, yeah, traditionally, it's just a long process to get promoted in this, in that martial art. Um, you know, it takes just about 10 years if you're training regularly to get your black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, yes. But, yeah, I mean, I've, I've pretty much been pretty dedicated to it for the last four years of my life. That's uh, really impressive, especially managing to fit the band in as well. Yeah, it can be rough sometimes. Uh, I mean, when we go on tour, obviously I can't train, but outside of that, I'm pretty much at the gym every day. Uh, I'm going to be there later today teaching a kid's class and then, uh, you know, go through and be a student for an advanced class and a basic class. I'll probably be there for three and a half to four hours tonight after I finish up my job for the day. That's uh, that's uh, quite a good chunk of time at the gym, and uh, hopefully it's not a jam night tonight as well. <laughs> Thankfully, no, but uh, it, that happens sometimes too, you know? You've got to balance everything. Yeah, so uh, with Rosetta, do you guys have uh, anything coming up? You guys are heading into the studio soon, aren't you? Yeah, we're about to record a new full length in actually 12 days up in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, we're going to record at a studio called Machines with Magnus, which... Uh, I mean, I think some of their more famous recordings are they've done some Battles records. They've done uh, the most recent Krieg record for people that are into black metal. And uh, they've done The Body and some other things. Uh, It's our first album as a five piece. So we added another guitar player and we're going to be doing a little bit more, uh, I guess, singing, for lack of a better term, vocals on this album than we've done in the past. Uh, For the most part, it's always been screaming for the most part. But myself and... Uh, the new guitar player are going to be doing a little bit more vocals on this record than we have in the past, which will add some singing elements to it. And it, it's a pretty, pretty good collection of songs. I mean, some things we haven't done before, but everything's really heavy and has like a really good sense of melody like we've had in the past and sort of the sort of uh, space rock sort of vibe thing that we're known for. Yeah, it's a really beautiful music, I think is the best way I can put it. Oh, thanks. We appreciate it. Very, uh, it's uh, cinematic. I think is a good way to describe it. Yeah, Something I think that's is. a really good way to describe it. Yeah, is this going to be coming out on Translation Lost Records again, or are you uh, self-releasing this, like uh, so the Anesthete? We're going to self-release it, but there will be physical releases um, put out in a few different places in the United States. The CD is going to be done by a label called Init Records, with the vinyl being handled by a record label called War Crimes. Europe right. is going to come out on a label called Golden Antenna, which is based in Germany, and he's going to do the CD and the vinyl. And then in Japan, it's going to come out on a label called Tokyo Jupiter Records, and that'll just be a CD release. And then okay. we're going to put up the digital version on Bandcamp, Pay What You Wish, like we did for the last record, which uh, we had a ton of success with, and I think something we're going to keep with going forward, because sadly, it's well, not sadly, but it's 2015, and, you know, it's hard to, to get people to pay for music and sort of giving it for them to choose how much value they think it is to them is, I think, the way really to go going forward. And I think bands like Radiohead and Nine Inch Nails have sort of shown that that's probably the way that the music industry is headed going forward. 
All right. So uh, where can people go on Bandcamp to uh, buy your releases? Um, so if they search Rosetta or the Anesthete, uh, they can pretty much pull us up. Um, and you should find all our releases right there. Um, you can also just go to our website, rosettaband.com, and there will be links on the side to download our two most recent releases and uh, the albums we put out in the past on Translation Lost Records. All right, and is there anything else you'd like to plug, uh, get yourself out there on social media or anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, rosettaband.com, if you guys are interested in checking out my band and uh, for what we do... Uh, with jujitsu and movement stuff, uh, the website is again www.milokiflow.com, and um, there's a link there for uh, a, a website where you can watch videos of the techniques that my instructor Alberto did and his business partner Ricardo Bayona does. And there's a school right outside Philadelphia if for anybody who's ever in the area in Bryn Mawr. It will Narbert right now. Actually, we used to be in Bryn Mawr which everybody's always welcome to come and train at if they want to check out jiu-jitsu. And there's also a Florida, a Florida school right outside Miami, a little town called Key Biscayne, and that's where Ricardo Bayona is. And they're, they're both phenomenal jiu-jitsu instructors and practitioners for anybody who's interested in sort of learning jiu-jitsu in a very traditional sort of setting. Um, these guys pretty much are as close to the sources you can get. They learned from Hori and Gracie and Huron and Henner, so it's, it's really been a phenomenal experience getting to, you know, learn from these two guys. All right, excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, Dave. Uh, good luck with the album. Uh, hopefully things will blow up for you guys, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again sometime down the road. Yeah, I'd love to hit, uh, be on again anytime, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time and having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Have a great day. You too, thanks. All right, everyone, that was David Grossman from Rosetta, great post-metal act from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You can uh, buy their stuff at thenesthete.bandcamp.com and uh, be on the lookout for a new album from them later this year. As always, if you have any complaints and grievances, hit me up at Twitter at Stormland Brand or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Stormland. And before I throw this back to Jeremy, I'm going to just tell you about Amazon.com. You may have noticed on the Sucker Radio page, we've got a link there. If you click that link when you're going to make your purchase at Amazon.com, Amazon.com gives us a kickback. No extra charges, no hidden fees, no codes to enter, but they just kick something back to us to help us out with production costs. After all, microphones and bandwidth aren't cheap. So. If you want to go buy yourself a copy of Bruce Buffer's book, or a UFC DVD, or you need to get a quick present for your significant other for Valentine's Day, click the link for Amazon.com on the Sucker Radio page. Help us out. Joining me now is the man behind World Series of Fighting Canada, also has a role without a title with the big boys at WSOF. Mr. Darren Owen joins Sucker Radio. Darren, thanks for joining me today, man. Thank you for having me. Now, you've been pretty busy the past little while, traveling back and forth from uh, your headquarters on the island in, in Victoria and back down to Vegas to work with the fellas in the head office. Just tell us a little bit about your new role with the company. Um, I kind of just do whatever needs to get done. Um, you know, it's, it's a good advantage that I've 
kind of done everyone's job in the office, just kind of running my own promotion um, to booking flights, to matchmaking, to, you know, all the, all the little details that are the boring things to the more, you know, the more important stuff, booking venues and all that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm able to just jump in with, with whatever they need. You know, we've kind of figured out a few things now. I kind of head down two weeks before every event and uh, get stuff set up. So, you know, my role is a little bit more defined and exactly what I'm doing, but it always kind of changes on what the needs are. Now, this card is dubbed WSOF 18, not WSOF Canada. Does this mean there will be no more WSOF Canada cards, or is this just sort of one of those tentpole events such as WSOF 7 in Vancouver? Exactly. So, it's yeah, it's the same thing. So, there, there will be WSOF Canada events, and there will be WSOF events that take place in Canada. So that's um, that's kind of the setup right now. So we've got uh, 18 ready to go here pretty quick. We also have WSOF 21, which would be um, also in Edmonton. That's a live uh, NBC event as well. So that's another te- kind of technically, I guess, U.S. event that's taking place in Canada. And then the, is there any any forward going with uh, any more WSOF Canada events then that you have planned? Yeah, trying to squeeze one in in April. Will it be in Edmonton as well? Or are you guys planning on venturing no, outside of Edmonton? No. I didn't I didn't even want to do this February event in Edmonton. I didn't want to come back to Edmonton until Ryan Ford was ready to return, which we knew was that June 5th date that we kind of had locked in. Um, I wanted to do something either Calgary or somewhere else, Ontario, maybe Montreal. But um, this event was supposed to actually happen in Miami, but the deal with the venue just didn't come through the way it needed to. So we were kind of short notice. Hey, we need a place to, to put some fights on. And they said, hey, you know, do you think we'd go back to Edmonton? Because the last event there in October was a, a huge success. Um, so I said, yeah, well, I'm sure we can pull it off. But, you know, Thursday, I know the ticket sales aren't going to be as good, but the um, the ratings are expected to do very well on the Thursday night. With a title fight, you you have to expect some some draw, and and Josh Hill is in the main event as well. Um, d- obviously, they don't have Edmonton's big star in Ryan Ford. Is is that what you're saying? That that's why ticket sales won't be as good, or because of the Thursday night as well? Yeah, it's a combination of both. Thursday Thursday is pretty unconventional uh, for an MMA event. You know, but there's a thing: NHL games happen on Thursdays. You know, fifteen thousand people show up to that, so I'm sure we can get you know two, three thousand people out. Yeah, you know, I think ticket sales are already close to that two thousand mark. So, you know, as long as we're getting close to that, you know, we'll, we'll do just fine. But you know, with with the Ryan Ford on the card on Friday or Saturday night, then you know, then we're creeping up close to four thousand. Now, it, it, Thursday night was that because of NBC? Um, yeah, they wanted to try it out. Um, you know, we kept on getting going up against you know other MMA events, you know UFC events on the same night. We've had some great cards that have gone up to gone up against a UFC and Bellator on the same night. So it's kind of like there's only a certain amount of MMA the MMA fan can watch. So the the thought process was, hey, let's try a Thursday. Um, TV ratings in general are very good on a Thursday night. So let's uh, let's see how it does. So it's, you know it's kind of a, a test night event and you know it is what it is well hopefully um hopefully the the ratings are the best they've ever been you never know i guess we'll find out pretty quick exactly yeah for sure now you spoke about ryan ford the draw would be huge if if he was in in, on the card with ticket sales and whatnot now i don't want to bring up the negative and i'm not going to mention any names but in the past i've heard 
you know, there's guys that sell tickets for you guys. Your fighters get tickets and, and they sell tickets and sometimes money doesn't get brought back to you. Is is that something that happens quite often in the sport of MMA that you hear about or or is that just something that lingers now and then? I think it's only really happened once and it was at that WSL7 in Vancouver. You want to mention names? You can go ahead and mention names. I'm not going to mention names. Doesn't matter to me. <laughs> All I'll right. mention the names. Caleb Starnes. He owes us about 4000 bucks in ticket money. And there you go. All right. This upcoming card is pretty good. The main event pits champ Marlon Marias against undefeated Canadian Josh Hill. Many people are counting out Josh in this fight. Um, what do you have to say about that, having seen both of them fight live? You, you can never count out Josh Hill. Any, anyone that's counting, I know Marlon's not counting him out. Um, He's undefeated. He has, stylistically, that's a tough fight for Marlon. Um, Marlon's kind of fought guys that have kind of just stood in front of him and let him dictate the fight. And, you know, they didn't have that kind of high-level caliber of wrestling that Josh Hill has. Um, But Josh Hill's stand-up is very good. His Muay Thai is very good. He's been training with uh, Kruelin for a long time. Uh, If you saw the Mike Adams fight, I'm sure Mike Adams will tell you his stand-up is pretty damn good. Um, so I think I think that's going to be a hell of a fight. Now, Marlon Marais is a guy that World Series of Fighting has sort of built up from scratch themselves. He's that that guy that is built under the World Series of Fighting banner. Is is that what you guys hope to do a little more with some of these other younger uh, fighters that you guys have? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I think the direction that I think we should go in is more the, hey, let's find the, the Justin Gaethje's, the Marlon Marias, um, and let's develop them and build them and, and make them our own household names that have come through the World Series of Fighting. Um, and I think we've done a, a very good job with that, and I think we'll continue to do a good job with that. Um, but I also do think we need those those home names that everyone knows, the, the Jake Shields, the Rosemary Pajaras, the John Fitch. Um, I think you just need to find a nice kind of balance between those two type of uh type of fighters and and you know and then you you know you can match those type of guys against each other you know when ryan ford fought jake shields ryan ford was kind of relatively unknown to the u.s market but um you know ryan's fought for myself i don't know probably 10 times um and got to test himself against a world-class you know opponent and it was uh unfortunately ryan probably didn't make the best decision to fight that fight with a broken arm but he um you know, we made that decision, and the the house was packed. It was uh, it was a crazy night, and it was it was great for the Canadian fans. How did you feel about that when when you found out that he fought that night with a broken arm? I didn't know. He he told me kind of like right after the fight. It was like oh, um, or someone told me right after the fight, and I was like, what do you mean he broke his arm in the fight? They're like, no, he broke his arm like a week ago, and I was like, oh, what? Like it didn't. It take a, took a sec to kind of sink in. Like, what what is this guy doing? I understood. He had a lot riding on that. He had a lot of money financially riding on that. And unfortunately, in this sport, you get paid when you fight. Had he pulled out, he would have lost a very big payday that he needs to support his family with. And it's unfortunate, but it, kind of, it is what it is. But, you know, Ryan's probably the, the highest Canadian fighter in the country. Um... And when he fights, he makes a lot of money. So, you know, I, I see why he did it. Um, at the same point in time, his mentality was, I'm going to go in there with a broken arm, and I'm going to fight, and I feel like I can win. 
So it's not like he was going in there and his first opportunity to, to get out of the fight and, and tap out he did. Like, you know, he fought that rear naked choke with, uh, with the broken arm for like three minutes. Um, you know, he could have just lied there and let him take it. But no, man, that, that guy's got heart. He's got fight. So Definitely, yeah. You know, obviously, I do. If we knew, we would have had to pull the fight. But yeah. he, you know, he passed his physicals with it. He said it was the hardest thing doing, push-ups with a broken arm. And <laughs> it is what it is. We'll, we'll move forward. This card has a ton of Canadian talent on it. Which of those matchups are you looking forward to most if you could pick one out for the fans in the U.S. that they might not know who they are? Which one of those ones would you would you tell them that they have to see? It's a must see fight. I only have to pick, I only get to pick one. Yeah, only one, because there are a ton. Oh, I know there's a on. lot, but just pick one. There's a bunch, man. Um, I think Shane Campbell, um, Shane and, and Derek Boyle. They this is a rematch. They had a, a very close competitive fight the first time they fought. Um, Campbell's stand up is, is world class. Um, Derek Boyle has been training with Greg Jackson for a long time. Both of these fighters' games have significantly evolved from the first time when they fought. So I think that's going to be a I think that's going to be a great fight. And then uh, I know you only said one, but I got to Hakeem and uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to throw him in there. <laughs> yeah, Hakeem is he's one of the funnest fighters to watch. He's he's extremely dangerous. Uh, love watching him fight. Young, raw very talented uh fighter so that's another one i'm definitely looking forward to speaking of watching will this be will this event be live to watch anywhere in canada um i'm just trying to yes we don't know what network though we had we have something on the table uh from a major canadian broadcaster we're trying to finalize that deal we don't just want to do a short-term deal we try to figure out something long-term so we don't have to kind of do this dance every year. Like last year we did a TSN or that was just a one year deal. Okay, we yeah. do have a backup plan. So if the, you know, if it, if it takes longer than where it's not going to get done before this event, we do have a backup plan where you, you will be able to watch on Canadian TV. So it won't be streaming. The, the, the non-televised fights do stream. Yep. So you can watch the stream. Um, but the, uh, it depends where it is. Because, you know, they, they often geo-block it. So, you know, you do have to watch on TV. So you do get that bump in ratings. But um, if it's, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> You'll be able to watch it one way or another. It'll be on TV. I'll, maybe I'll push for them not to geo-block it just in case not everyone gets that channel that we uh, that we might have to go with. Perfect. Especially on a Thursday night. I mean, everyone is around on weeknights. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that... That will give you guys that extra push. I mean, on weekends, people could be out of town, they could be traveling, they could be going out for dinner, it might be their anniversary or something. They might not be able to watch on the weekend, but a Thursday night, I mean, ratings could be huge. Yeah, that's that's what we're expecting, and that's what we're hoping. So interestingly enough, Cody McKenzie comes out of retirement to fight you, for you guys. Did he come to you, or, or did you guys sort of work out to him to come out of retirement? We we approached him, so I I didn't I don't think he was retired retired, um, but we it, it, to be honest it was it was Andrew McInnes who said I want to fight Cody McKenzie, can you see if he'll fight me? So I said okay we'll we'll make the call. So uh, called Cody and just said hey you interested in fighting World Series of Fighting? Here's the date, here's the time, and uh, he's like yeah sounds good let's do it. 
Nice. Didn't really have to coax him out of retirement at all. It was actually a pretty quick, easy conversation. He's a fighter. He he has he has fighting in yeah. his skin, in his blood. Now you're yeah. you're some. Go on. Oh no, I was just saying some some guys are like that. Some guys will jump in the cage at at a drop of a hat, and it's not a it's not a you know they don't need the oh I need a ten week training camp. I need to fly here. I need to do this. I need to do that. Um, he's he's the type of guy that's just he's got the heart to fight. You're not one to mince words. You you'll tell it as it is. Now tell me this: uh, the UFC has their Reebok sponsorship deal happening in July. Have any of their big major sponsors that are no longer going to be able to fight with them on Fight Week approached you guys to sponsor World Series of Fighting? Yeah, yeah, fair amount. And we've you know same thing. We've reached out to them as well. That's good to hear because I, I mean, as a, the general public, people think that a lot of these companies are just going to fall to the wayside. I don't, I don't see how that would make sense. You know, they're, they're companies. They've, they've built their brands. They've built their products. They, uh, they need to advertise. They need to sell. Um, and a lot of people don't, you know, I don't think a lot of people really realize is, you know, some pay-per-view UFC events get a hundred thousand buys where our average event is 1.2 million views per event. Yeah. So if you're you're counting just eyeballs, you know sometimes it might be a lot smarter to um, to go with the World Series of Fighting on NBC Sports than it is to to sponsor a UFC event. For sure, yeah, definitely. Now there was a report I saw online, not necessarily a report, but someone tweeted it out that the World Series of Fighting was a sinking ship. You responded saying the source was full of it. Um, I'm sure you have to say the WSOF is going as strong as ever. Are you guys really going anywhere? We're going up. Good. Good to hear. <laughs> um, things are, we've, you know, there's, there's been some changes internally. Um, and I think they're for the better. And what we're doing now is we're getting ahead of the game. We're not kind of last minute putting fight cards together. We're not moving cities last minute. We're not changing stuff We're we're getting out ahead. We've June 5th is WSOF 21, March 28th is WSOF 19 in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, we've got, uh, 20 booked. Um, we've got WSF 22 almost, but we've got the date. We've got the, um, yeah, we're, we're getting way ahead of the game. Like we're almost booked up. We, are, we know what's happening July 7th. With um, fights planned and all? With fights planned. Pretty much like the main two or three fights for the most part. Nice. That's good to hear because, I mean, it's always good to have competition out there. You guys, are you, you're not trying to beat the UFC. You're trying to compete with the UFC. Yeah. You, you know, you'd be kind of stupid if you said right now we're, we're going to be able to beat the UFC. But, you know, if, if you don't have that goal of wanting to be the best in the world, and we all, we absolutely want to be the best in the world. Um, I think we're going to move to a little bit different model than typically what what people are doing and i'm excited for that it's different um you know there's a reason why we're called world series of fighting and we're going to get to that point where it legitimately is the world series of fighting can you tell us any of that mma olympics can you tell us any of that oh um there's there's a vision (laughs) there's uh (laughs) but at the same point time we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves you know if we tried to expand all across the world very quickly you know you've seen 
you know, the WSOF and now there's WSOF Canada. And there probably would have been more WSOF Canada events had Canada not been such a strong market and they're bringing these bigger events to Canada, which is great. And, you know, it, it's look at, look at the fighters on those cards. They're Canadian fighters. In essence, it is kind of more of a WSOF Canada event. Um, but the, the plan is, is, hey, let's, let's activate Brazil. Let's activate the UK. Let's activate Japan. Let's activate Australia, New Zealand. And, you know, how cool would it be if, you know, in a year, two years down the road, you see a, a global Grand Prix tournament where the Canadian champ fights the Brazilian champ, the American champ fights the Japanese champ, the, you know, the Russian champ fights wherever. And you, you have this actual Grand Prix of your country's champions fighting in a tournament to be crowned the world champion. Yeah, a few months ago, Ray did announce the the whole WSOF Japan, the WSOF uh, New Zealand, I believe. Have any of those events yep. been formed? Um, they're very close. Good to hear. They're, everything's, everything's being worked on. Um, and I think it's going to start happening a lot quicker. Then it's been talked about for a while, but now it's kind of time to time to move with it. So you believe twenty fifteen is 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 the year of change for World Series of Fighting? Yeah, I, I do. I think the second half of twenty fifteen, I think you'll start seeing some some of this stuff all take place, and I think twenty sixteen is when a lot of it will will be active and going. You guys have a woman's champion, however, there's not much built around her. Will World Series of Fighting get some more women in the division anytime soon? Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. Um, I, I know it is. <laughs> that's, a, that's a thin division, just being bluntly honest. It's a so thin division you, as is, and is, with kind of obviously with the UFC starting that division and taking a lot of the the challengers that would be there. Um you know, but we we have something special. We have the best female fighter at 115 on planet Earth as our uh, as our champion. So that's that's a huge asset. So that's not something we want to give away or or you know trade or, or whatever it may be. That's um, you know we, we've got something there. Jessica's phenomenal. She's such a you know great person, great fighter. And there's challenges out there for her, like Kalindra Faria. She was ranked number four in the world. That was her last defense. That's a very high-level, legitimate opponent. Um, and there's girls like that out there. Finally, because obviously I am from Vancouver, is World Series of Fighting done with British Columbia? No. Um, the thing is, I think for Vancouver event or like a Victoria event or somewhere else, I think it would have to be a WSF Canada event just because the size of the venues in Vancouver, they go from really small to pretty big and the ones that are big enough to do what we need to do they are stupidly expensive union venues that are ridiculous um so you we would probably have to do a you know a WSO Canada event in a little smaller venue um you know there's only one kind of major market and that's that is Vancouver or, you know the surrounding areas of Vancouver so it's possible. I, I'd like to do it. You know, this is home for me, so it's nice to, to do stuff kind of where your friends and family live, and it's a little easier to kind of do a little little bit extra, a little bit more marketing, get a little bit more connections, stuff like that. But um, 
I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't say we're we're done with Vancouver by any means. It's not planned for 2015, though. Um, no, not yet. He is oh, world. Ser- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> he is World Series of Fighting's Darren that. Owen. You can catch WSOF 18 next Thursday, February 12th, on NBC Sports Network. And from the sounds of it, somewhere in Canada, hopefully. Thanks a bunch, Darren, for joining me today, and good luck with this event and the rest of 2015, man. Thanks, Jeremy. Really appreciate it. There you have it, folks. Another episode of Sucker Radio in the books. Please check out our sponsor, DraftKings. These guys, top-notch, daily fantasy sports. We've had, We've talked about them in the past. Do you want in on daily fantasy sports? Not just MMA. These guys do everything. NHL. Um, they do it all. They do NHL, they do NFL, they do NBA. Obviously, NFL is over now, so you can't get that. They do soccer. Heck, I've even bet on professional golf, PGA. But what I do want you to get in on is the MMA. These things, for $2, you can be in on a guaranteed $20,000 prize pool. First place gets $2,000, and the top 2,300 people get paid this is ridiculous usually the winner first second third place are the only ones that get paid 2300 people will get paid uh it's like any other fantasy sport you'll have a salary cap style drafting fifty thousand dollars to select five people five fighters so get in on uh not this weekend's but next weekend's ufc uh it should be a doozy you will get to choose five fighters and uh Yeah, have fun with it. MMA Sucker, if you use that promo code, your first-time deposit at DraftKings will receive a 100% bonus up to $600. That means if you deposit $600, they'll give you a $600 bonus. So you're getting your money back on top of it. So basically, you're playing for free. Use the promo code MMA Sucker and get yourself in the game. DraftKings.com Promo code MMA Sucker. As I said, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash MMA Sucker. Follow us on Twitter at MMA Sucker. Follow myself on Twitter at Jeremy Brand604. Thank you to my guest, Demetrius Johnson, Darren Owen. Thank you, Justin Pirro, for your unpopular opinions. That was a fun one this week. Not a guy from the sport of MMA, but you know, it was a doozy as well. Uh, with that, I'm out. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Out.